hello and welcome to episode 32 of the great canadian hockey podcast aiden and i are up this morning um i'm i'm not usually this early of a riser i mean it's not even that early but i, I woke up before 10 a.m so that's a, a rarity um but yeah i uh the sun's shining the uh the podcast is podcasting my cat is catting uh how are we doing today fella i don't know buddy i just you know like we've said this on this podcast and i i encourage everybody to live by it you know it's okay to not be okay so we're doing our best but our best isn't great but we'll uh we'll keep doing our best right Indeed, indeed. Uh, care to elaborate further on any of that or want to move on? No, we can keep going. Let's tough it out. Yeah, fair game, fair game. Well, at least sun's shining. Is sun shining in, uh, in Red Deer? Um, it has been. It's been pretty mixed. It's getting colder, you know, month probably a month to snow, which isn't the greatest thing in the world, I can tell you. But today it doesn't look too bad. No, that's fair. That's fair. Well... We have a, I mean, not a ridiculous amount of hockey news to go through, but just a couple big things, you know, like a couple of things off the top that are just there. I don't know if I want to say monumental, but yeah, probably monumental chunks of hockey news, right? Like that's what we're looking at, isn't it? Yeah. Well, we meant to do like a, a news update. Mike Babcock is no longer the coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. It's probably the biggest thing. That's probably the thing to lead with. Um, in his statement, like again, officially he stepped down. I imagine that was a a mutual decision at the very least, and not one that, you know, like I don't know if he would have had the choice to not step down, is what I'm saying. Um, but his statement after stepping down, I think is exactly why it's a good thing for the Columbus Blue Jackets, which is he said, this is a team that that wants to get better and wants to focus on the hockey season. And my being here would be too much of a distraction right now with everything going on. Um, I completely agree with that. I think the Columbus Blue Jackets on paper are poised to take a step this year and then a significant step in the years to come without a doubt. Um, So, I think they're better suited to do that with a different coach. Now, as far as Mike Babcock himself goes, we touched on it. Further reports have come out that have said that this phone thing that he does is not really supported by many, if any, players, and he does it anyway. Um, That was what the uncoupling was caused from and started with. And James, I think it goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyways. We've seen officially the end of Mike Babcock. I think we definitely have, and to be honest, I didn't really mesh well with the with the statements just saying he was a distraction. I didn't sense any remorse in that statement. Not I should have been better, not I um I I apologize for my actions. I I did not like that statement at all. It it in fact bothered me a little bit. Um, but yeah, you know, regardless, the situation is pretty much done and, and it's, it's something that the Columbus Blue Jackets and the NHL can hopefully just move on from and ha- have that not be an issue and not be a distraction moving forward. And, you know, hopefully have it not even be a conversation going forward. Like, like hopefully we're one of the last groups of people to talk about it. Right. Yeah, I think, well, and, and what's good for the Blue Jackets, we can kind of segue into this next, um, 
What's good for the Blue Jackets is their rookies look good. Adam Fantilli looks like an absolute stud so far at those rookie camps. And with the way Mike Babcock had previously meshed with young players, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that him leaving might just uh, <laughs> might just help Adam Fantilli out a little bit, right? Like this guy is uh, this guy has rookie of the year potential this year. He really does. And with the lack of center depth that the Columbus Blue Jackets have, we could very easily see this guy start in the top six, and it wouldn't be too long before we see him as their one C. So. Uh, it's Fantilli among others, right? I've been on record as saying that I'm maybe the world's biggest David Juracek fan. I maintain that. Um, Juracek's a little bit more of a complicated situation because there's a log jam of defensemen in Columbus that he has to get through. Um, but, you know, Columbus being a young team and the way this roster is constructed from the outset, you know, regardless of what Babcock did or didn't do, I thought it was a weird fit. I didn't really think it worked. So taking away the controversy, I do actually think this is the right move, even just from a hockey standpoint for Columbus. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, there's there's a lot of guys you're going to hopefully see take a step. There's there's just a lot of progress that will hopefully be made for that team. And it's a team you kind of want to see get fully out of the basement, right? We kind of got teased with a little bit uh, a few years back when they did the push all the cards on the table to win one series. And yeah, they, they beat a, um, a 60 win Tampa Bay lightning. So that was pretty cool, but didn't really end up getting any further. So you just gotta, you, this is a team you want to see do some stuff. That's kind of the, the, the finer point for me, but you mentioned, you mentioned rookie camps. Do you want to go that way right away? Well, we talk about Fantilli. Fantilli looks very good. It looks like he's meshing with his teammates, but how many how how much of Connor Bedard's highlights have you watched, James? Um, willingly or against my will? Uh both. Okay, well, um, I got push notifications from both the score and Sportsnet. Um, the second he uh breathed near a net on uh for in rookie camps. Um, so that was interesting. And then um uh impossible to open up Instagram without it um impossible to open up any sports app without it but i'd love it yeah no i mean like i was kind of i was kind of leading you in the direction that it was bothering me but no i love it yeah we kind of have we had a bet going about his point totals i don't remember what it was or how much it was for we got was it 90 points yeah very possible still on this team i think um I th- I think this shouldn't be news to anybody, but it is like everybody's back to, you know, very quickly realizing, holy crap, this kid's generational, right? Like it was, it was when he got drafted by the Blackhawks, it was like, oh, he's going to be great, but how great is he going to be? Because Chicago's not a good team. And all of a sudden it's like, oh no, no, he's going to be nuts. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um I mean, Taylor Hall and or Lucas Reichel are pretty competent line mates for him, I think. Lucas Reichel, I saw they're trying to play him as a center, which is bold. I don't know. That how is long. bold. I don't really like that. I don't think that's going to last long. Uh, you know, you never you never know. It could work. It could be fun. You know what? You and never Taylor... have too many centers. If, you, if, if it works, then that's awesome. Yeah, and you know what? Taylor Radish is a 20-goal scorer in the NHL. If yeah. Taylor Radish on that right side with Bedard and Taylor Hall. You know what? Taylor Radish is going to score some goals, man. He really is. Um, Betsy and the Taylors. Yeah, why not? 
<laughs> I like that. It sounds like a reality TV show where they're like roommates. <laughs> Double tea in the morning, guest starring Connor Bedard. <laughs> um, I think this is the next. I think we're 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 about to go into the rookie season, and it's not going to be this year. Don't get me wrong, but we're about to watch the NHL debut of the next NHL player to score seventy goals, James. Uh okay. Let's just let's backpedal a bit. Seventy is a lot. McDavid at sixty four this year. Okay. He's not as much of a goal scorer as Bedard is, right? But he was a goal scorer this year. Yeah, he was. But even then, like, he was as much of a setup guy as he was a finisher this year, right? Like, Connor Bedard gets the puck in the offensive zone. And okay, he... let's let, let's hit let's hit 40 and 50 first before we talk and before we talk 60, let alone 70. Yeah, no, and this is like years down the road, especially because I'm looking at that Chicago Blackhawks team. I'm not the biggest fan of Frank Nazar. Like, I, I, I like him. I don't love him, but I am a huge fan of Oliver Moore. And if you're telling I'm me, a huge fan of Kevin Korchinski. Yeah, but I was gonna say Connor Bedard one, Oliver Moore two, Frank Nazar three as a center core is kind of unbelievable. Like again, I like I said, I'm not the biggest Nazar fan. But if all he needs to be is a 3C, he's going to be an excellent third-line center. Oliver Moore has all the speed in the world, and he can he has the ceiling as high as anything. And then you've got Bedard as the 1C. And, yeah, like you said, Kevin Korchinski is their future number one defenseman. Man, I just shiver to imagine where this team would be if they didn't make the Seth Jones trade. Because you'd have Adam Bokvist and David Juracek on this back end. It Hypothetically, David Juracek. It might not have been him. It was the sixth overall pick, and Juracek was consensus top five. So, yes, those, it was a slam dunk pick at six. Like they would, they would have had to really, really mess up not to take him at six. That's what I mean. Like when when the Canucks made the trade with the Coyotes, and it like, oh, you don't know they would have taken Dylan Gunther at nine. Yeah, you do, because there was a top nine. There was a consensus top nine all year. They were always going to take whichever one didn't go in the top eight. Right? Like there was a tier one. Clearly. <laughs> I mean, you just, anything happens with the draft. We just saw the Coyotes take Simashev. Yeah, but Simashev, a lot of people did have Simashev in the top 10. I think including me, right? Like, did I have him at six? Maybe not. But the potential was always there. The pick from the Coyotes this year that I thought was weirder was Daniel Boot at 12. I'll say that. Simashev, oh. nearly as much of a reach to me. Um, yeah, so Connor Bedard, like... This and I was gonna say too, I didn't put it on the rundown, but that speaks to the rookie point. Did you see the goal Logan Cooley scored in the global series? My god, <laughs> oh, do you see that second view that's the one from the side? Yes, yeah, oh, so Logan Cooley, oh. Logan Cooley looks like a stud. He finished second in the Hobie Baker voting to Adam Fantilli, Cooley, Fantilli, Bedard already as a draft class or as a rookie class is amazing. That's not even throwing in Devin Levi, not even throwing in Matthew Nyes, not even throwing in Luke Hughes. Like this, this is shaping up to be kind of an unbelievable crop of rookies here. Like this is, this, this is something else. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited for it. And I, I really, I really can't wait. I can't wait. I'm going to be watching a few of these guys play consistently. I'm going to do my best. Not to mention, I could probably name two other rookies who I could see getting 50 points. Exactly, right? Like, it's... it's, And there's guys that aren't even on our radar right now that we know are going to do it, right? Like, yeah. it's... Luke Evangelista. 
yeah, no, that's again, there's a lot. It's, it's, there's a lot of guys that other years are slam dunk finalists that are going to finish like 10th in four yep. this year. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. Um, so a com- couple contracts. We'll start with Steven Stamkos. Um, I don't know how I feel about this one, James. I am, you know, obviously on record consistently saying that if a NHL team is doing things right, that means they are trying their best to win a Stanley Cup. But Steven Stamkos has been in the Tampa Bay Lightning organization for 15 years. And apparently Julian Brisebois' camp has barely reached out to him, if at all. Am Am I correct about that, about a contract extension? That's kind of what was hinted towards, yeah. Yeah, I don't love that. Like <laughs> that, that bothers me a second. Yeah, like even if he's not part of your long term plans, which he's at the age now where he's not part of your long term plans, you, you you have to owe him the respect to be transparent with him about what you're thinking about it, right? You got to be open with the player. You got to be honest with the player. You got to tell him this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. This is what we can fit you in at, right? Like there there shouldn't be mind games being played here with Stamkos. And there was even a quote, I think, coming out of Elliot Friedman that the sense around the organization for the um, for for Tampa is that they, quote, wouldn't be devastated to let Stamkos go. And again, like I said, I am usually of the opinion that do what you need to do to win. But this guy's been there for 15 years. He's won two Stanley Cups with the C on his chest. He's given everything to this team and he continues to continues to perform at a high level through injuries and through everything. I really, really think that this, uh, this leaves a bad taste in my mouth. And I, you know, as much as there's been some lightning controversy with the way they've circumvented the salary cap at times, I, I did have a tremendous amount of respect for Julian Brisebois. And I really, really hope that I'm able to maintain that. And he, you know, does right by Steven Stamkos because Stamkos deserves it. And it's not just that he continues to perform at a high level. He redefines his game and almost gets better at times. Yeah. Well, and it looked like ridiculous. There were multiple times over his career where it looked like his career was in jeopardy because of injuries and he fought back and he fought back to the highest level every time. Right. Like, so it's, it's, you know, I really, I really do hope this gets worked out. There's, there's still a year left on this contract. So they have all season to do this. Um, however, the Tampa Bay Lightning trend has been to lock guys up long term before they reach yeah. free agency, and this hasn't happened yet. So, hopefully, before camp, hopefully before preseason, hopefully we're 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 we get an answer soon. I mean, uh, this is without a doubt the best player in their franchise history, and they're just not doing right by him. Yeah, and you know they've had a lot of good players, but I do think like his number immediately goes up when he retires, right? Without a doubt. Um, He's yeah, he's I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer for me. Like yeah, same. Next contract, James and I had a pretty lengthy conversation about this the other day. So oh, by the way, by the way, just when we say lengthy conversation, I'm talking Aiden and I getting nothing done other than having this lengthy paragraph by paragraph texting conversation. We've had about maybe five of them in the last month where it's just paragraphs flying back and forth on our opinions on hockey from a moral standpoint, a fact standpoint, a numbers standpoint, a perspective standpoint. It is getting ridiculous how much time we are putting into these texting conversations about our thoughts on hockey situations. You know what I have to commend? And this, like, it feels obvious that this doesn't happen, but, like, you when you picture long texting conversations with a bunch of paragraphs, I always think, 
that there's hostility sprinkled in. There's never hostility sprinkled in. Me and James just no. go back and forth with opinions and facts. And there's a lot even, of even though they're like differing opinions, hardcore. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, we keep talking. We keep saying we we talked about this, and we didn't don't actually say what it is. So Trevor Zegras is in his last year of this contract. He's a pending restricted free agent. This is his entry level deal. And Pat Verbeek, the general manager of the Anaheim Ducks, is allegedly only offering him between three and four million dollars a year on a bridge deal extension. Um, now, officially, I will go on record right off the bat and say that's too low. But my gut reaction was good on Verbeek because what I was saying to James and my kind of opinion on Zegris is this guy thinks he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. This guy thinks he's a rock star. He thinks he's the biggest deal in the NHL when realistically as a centerman, he is well below average for his position. He's a very talented offensive player. He's got a lot of skill, but he looks like a lost puppy in the defensive zone. And as a center, you need to be good in your own zone. You need to be good in defensive transition, which he's not. He's very good in offensive transition. He's a good play driver. He's got a ton of skill, good shooter, good passer. And obviously he can and has scored a Michigan. Congratulations. Um, so do I think $4 million is fair? Not really. I would give him Brock Besser on a similar bridge deal, got $5.8 million. I think Trevor Zegers right now is better than Brock Besser was then. I would be completely content. Trevor Zegers, three or four years at $6 bucks. That's what I would say. However, the other thing I do say is I totally respect Pat Verbeek. He's got a very young team and if he allows Trevor Zegers to bully him in a contract negotiation... Well, Mason McTavish is going to come soon. Jamie Drysdale is going to come soon. Then it's Olin Zellweger. Then it's Leo Carlson, right? Like these guys are all, these guys are all coming. Um, so my opinion is <laughs> Verbeek, I, I respect what he's doing, but he's got he's, he's to up the offer a little bit. <laughs> Um, totally. And without going all the way, even relatively close, even scratching the surface of the conversation Aiden and I had, um, like Trevor Zegers is 22 years old and has had back-to-back, uh, seasons over 60 points. Okay. Like Pierre Engvall is a $3 million player. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, like. Four million dollar players. I'm not even thinking of any off the top of my head, but like, dude, if Trevor Zegers isn't making at least 5.5 on a bridge, like five, 5.5 on a bridge, like, give me like two years between five and six, even five and 6.5. Two years. I understand the qualifying offer situation, I understand that can cause issues down the road. That doesn't always mean everything, but like, like Timo Meyer didn't make what his QO was. Like, it's that isn't set in stone, but like, just come on. Pierre Angvall is a $3 million player. We are not paying Trevor Zegers 3.5. This is not a thing. Okay. If Trevor Zegers is making 3.5 million next year, then nothing makes sense in the NHL. Then we are working backwards. I understand he has defensive deficiencies. I understand that in a lot of people's eyes, he may be a little bit overrated. I understand that some people think the only thing to his game is being flashy. I get it. I get it. I understand the criticisms. But if he's making less than 
five million dollars next year, there are things wrong with today's NHL. If you are putting up back to back sixty plus point seasons by twenty two, and you're not making over five million dollars, there's something seriously wrong with the NHL. Our the salary cap's about to jump significantly over the next two years. But come well, on, I think that's why Zegers would be wise to accept a low AAV, low term, right? Yeah, totally. Like two years of five million bucks. Again, if he's as good as he thinks he is, then. 80 points, 90 points in the next couple seasons. Then all of a sudden with the salary cap going up, which again, reportedly could be up to $9 million at two years from now, five yep. and a four jump. Um, you could really be seeing him in the, in, in the $10 million range, right? Like totally. Um, he's got the offensive potential to do that. Um, the other, the, the one other thing from me and James's conversation that'll pull to, to say here, I think it was you that said it, James, this feels like the start of the end between the relationship of the Anaheim Ducks and Trevor Zegers. Trevor Zegers is so far, he's the opposite of a Pat Verbeek player. He just is. Um, so I think... Not to, not to mention all reports point to Greg Cronin being a hard-nosed coach as well. Yeah, and I think, I again, I've said this a lot. <laughs> I've said this a lot. If you take the center depth that the Anaheim Ducks already have, and the trade value that Trevor Zegris would have if you were moving him, I think Trevor Zegris brings the Anaheim Ducks more value on the trade market than in their lineup if they're trying to be a Stanley Cup winning team down the line, which of course they are. Leo Carlson and Mason McTavish will be an amazing one-two center duo. I don't even think Zegris, I can't, I can't picture him playing center. He's so bad. At the half of what center is, right? Like, um, and again, because Trevor Zegers is this poster boy, you can't tell me a team in a market that you know needs like a little, a little injection, a little something to get the fans excited wouldn't pay a premium for somebody just because of who they are, right? You're, they'd pay for the name Trevor Zegers as much as they pay for what he actually brings to a team. Like, you could get the sun and the moon for him. For sure. And I think the Anaheim Ducks would be better suited to do that personally. And again, if the if the relationship is is going to be damaged after this contract negotiation, it seems like that's the that's the best thing for them to do. Yeah, I mean, for sure I agree with like the the him leaving situation could be good for both sides for sure, but like it's like I really don't care that he's not like a defensively sound center yet at 22 on like a, on a team that is nightmare fueled defensively all around. Like if we're talking about him still being that way at 25, 26, then I'm more concerned, but yeah, I mean, we've, we've had this conversation a million times. I'm not really all that worried about a 22 year old center having defensive issues. Like it's there's there's still a lot of time for development here. Austin Matthews and Elias Pettersson come to mind as a couple centers that weren't great defensively and have since been Selkie candidates, right? That's yep. it. It happens. Yeah. Um, so quickly, um, okay, off the top with the Tanner Pearson trade, I was not happy with how Tanner Pearson's injury was handled. He hurt his wrist. It was mishandled. Because it was mishandled, he had to have multiple surgeries. It put his career in jeopardy. All that is bad. 
all that sucks. I'm really upset all that happened to him. Purely from a hockey standpoint, James, before Tanner Pearson got hurt last year, he was one of the worst players I've ever seen play in the NHL. (laughs) So for the Vancouver Canucks to move him with a third rounder for a goalie that I think is going to be an upgrade on the backup position over Spencer Martin this year, I'm happy with the trade. So it's Pearson and a third to Montreal for Casey DeSmith. That's the deal. Um, Arthur Silovs is going to be the starter in Abbotsford. Casey DeSmith has one more year on his contract. I think that's perfect because DeSmith will play out this last year in Vancouver. Then Arthur Silovs, after a year, full year, starting in Abbotsford and under his belt, will become the backup to Thatcher Demko. I think it's a perfect system. Vancouver had a logjam of wingers. And like I said, Tanner Pearson was, before the injury, before anything happened last year, he looked like he looked like he won he was a civilian who won a contest to play in an nhl game and and got to play shifts because he won this promotional contest that uh you get to dress on a line with elias Pettersson for a night for whatever a charity thing that's what he looked like honestly damn that's hard um I'm going to quickly add in that Tanner Pearson has had a very solid career and worked his way into the NHL with a very good work ethic. And um, he was a very solid player for quite a while. Um, I, 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 I don't like ever saying the words, one of the worst players I've ever seen play in the NHL, but you, you have your thoughts, your opinions, you can say what you want to say. Um, yeah, um, the main complaint I see online is that they paid a third-round pick to get rid of him. Honestly, moving salary out, you're up against it. You have zero leverage. I don't really care. It's a third-round pick. Get over it. Well, and again, like, once you pass, to me, once you pass the second, third-round-ish, from there, there's not actually, in my opinion, very much difference between a third-rounder and a fifth-rounder, for instance. Honestly, the amount of good players now that are in drafts, you have so many guys everywhere, right? There's a ton of CHL talent. There's a ton of CJHL talent, Junior A in Canada. There's a ton of USHL talent. There's a ton of European talent. Realistically, there are guys that either didn't get drafted or went in the seventh round last year that easily could have been third round picks easily you can find those gems in the draft it's about scouting it's about investing in your scouts it's about investing the time to watch every league to watch every player and if your team is doing that the difference between because honestly do you think people are upset if vancouver trades a fifth and pearson for DeSmith? not nearly as it's just because it's a third realistically if you are good at scouting and you invest in it it doesn't matter if you have three-fifths or a third, a fourth, and a fifth. It shouldn't matter. You can get the same quality of players if you're scouting properly. That's how I think about it. Um, Yeah, Pearson, when, when Pearson got to Vancouver, I really liked him. It was that COVID year after they made the run to the second round in the bubble that he just fell off a cliff. He looked disengaged. He stopped skating pretty much ever. Like He, he, he did nothing off the puck, and, and I really hope – for his sake, because he was a guy I loved when he was in LA, right? Great story out of the draft, got passed over twice and then ended up being a first rounder. That never, ever, ever, ever happens. Um, and 
won a Stanley Cup with the LA Kings. Like I, I really do think this guy is uh is he he could he could definitely have a boost on the Montreal Canadiens, lead some young guys, but for the Canucks, this is the best thing for them. And the my one other comment on uh one of the worst players I've ever seen in the NHL is um I've seen some of the Canucks worst games in the past couple of years in person. And I could name about a dozen players on that team that I've seen play the worst game I've ever seen in the NHL. You know who I would actually single out as the worst one I think I've ever seen play for Vancouver? Do you remember Alex Biega? Yeah. I yeah, one, I do. I watched one game where they were playing Chicago where um, Jake Vertanen is rushing in. Biega jumps up in the rush to make it a three-on-two. Vertanen shoots the puck wide Biega's on the right side of him and then Biega for some reason pivots and starts skating backwards around the Blackhawks net and doesn't stop skating backwards until like Chicago's blue line on the back check because Vertanen misses the net the puck bounces all the way around and Alex Biega has one of the most puzzling back checks I've ever seen and then Chicago scores on the two-on-one like that was commonplace for him he very frequently would just run out of position to try and throw a hit and then miss the hit, and then Vancouver would get scored on on the odd man rush. Um, if if you're asking me worst player I've ever seen, I think Alex Biega has to be top of the list. Um, we'll quickly go to Kalen Addison getting a one year extension. I think this is really good for both sides. The Minnesota Wild salary cap situation didn't look like it was going to lead to much here, but Kalen Addison gets a one year kind of show me contract. He had a breakout season last year with 29 points in 62 games. The Minnesota Wild do not have any offensive specialists. Kalen Addison and Brock Faber are honestly going to be, to me, power play one, power play two. They're going to be competing with each other for that, and I think Addison has a good chance to get it. Um, He was part of the Jason Zucker trade with Pittsburgh, second-round pick, very, very good puck mover, very smart player, great power play quarterback, gets a $825,000 extension. I think this could be a $3, $4 million player in the future, without a doubt. I think he's a fantastic four or five guy. Um, he's he's solid at everything. He's not superb at anything except for passing and being the power play guy. So, you know, there's a spot on an NHL team for somebody like that. I think if you put him with a good, steady left shot defenseman, he can be an effective, like I said, four or five guy, something like that. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. You pretty much said everything I would have said about the guy. Um, I mean, what kind of numbers do you see him? putting up really like in that kind of situation i would project he'd have a 40 point season i think it's going to depend on whether or not brock faber beats him out for that power play one spot i think it's gonna be i think it's gonna be addison's to start the year though favors spurgeon too like spurgeon spurgeon was beat by addison last year addison yeah for a while look at the back half of the year yeah addison addison did beat him out and Jared Spurgeon's getting older, and I think for the Minnesota Wild, as he gets older, he becomes more valuable as their all-around guy, right? You don't want to be pumping minutes into him on the man advantage because you need him in every other situation, right? You can't play Kalen Addison in as many situations as you as you can play Jared Spurgeon in. That's just a fact of the matter. And you can't play an aging defenseman 40 minutes a night. Jared Spurgeon's excellent, but he's human, <laughs> right? Um, anyway, so... Me and James are going to just quickly run to junior before we break. Um, James, I got out first, uh, 
first Red Deer Rebels hockey game of the year in the WHL. Um, the Red Deer Rebels have a, another guy this year. It was Kalen Lind last year who was uh, on the draft radar. And for me this year, his name is Ollie Josephson, Victoria, BC native, 17-year-old, 2006 born. He will be 18 right after the draft happens. So he's going to get drafted in 2024. Five goals and 19 points in 63 games as a rookie last year in the WHL. As a 16-year-old, he's going to have an elevated role this year. This is a guy they drafted fifth overall in the 2021 Bantam draft. But I was really impressed with him with what I watched at the Helenka Gretzky Cup this summer. Didn't get any goals, but three assists in five games. He looked like a very good all-around centerman. This guy is an absolute stud in the face-off circle. That's something that extended back to last year. He's great great in the circle he's really good at being engaged physically he's not the biggest guy he stands at six foot but he's only about 170 pounds so he's not really stronger than anybody else but he makes sure he's always engaged he plays the front the, the front of the net on the power play very very smart in that role you need to do a lot it's 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 an underrated position to have to play and he does it very well and again this is a guy who who last year was looking, he looked a little bit passive, right? He was a smaller guy, 16 years old. In that game against the Edmonton Oil Kings on Friday, he was very physically engaged. He was more physically engaged than I saw him all of last season. He took hits to make plays. He finished checks. He forced icings by finishing his checks. Um, his hand-eye coordination was superb in front of the night. Got a lot of sticks on pucks. He knocked down some clearing attempts on the power play, just managing to keep the puck alive. And yeah, I, I'm really high on this kid probably project him to be a second rounder but for a second rounder middle six centerman projection this is a, somebody that i think every nhl team will be hoping falls their way in round two so projected second rounder what do you see him putting up for red deer this year numbers wise um 50 points in 60 games would be my guess he's already got two and two yeah. he could definitely play himself into that first round without a doubt um but that's that, that's where i've got him right now i where is he ranked right now like mid 40s I haven't seen he okay gotcha. we've only really seen the high end players get ranked right like just the first round so we'll see when the NHL central scouting stuff comes out and and when it does I'll have a, a pretty in depth look at some AJHLers that could go as well when 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 the time cool. well I'm glad you're diving into that because I haven't seen anyone else dive into that yet yeah no I've got like a I've got my little red notebook here and I'm gonna show James it's really stupid to do a visual segment on this audio podcast um. But I have this big page of AHL Breakout Candidates. This page is just filled. This AHL is- or AJHL? AJHL. Yeah. Got some Black Folds kids on there. Nice. That's uh, awesome. No bias involved. No, I'm trying to be as unbiased as possible. Yeah. The fact that I have some pretty strong personal relationships with some of these kids. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So that's the that's the scouting report on Ollie Josephson. Um, he's a, yeah, to me, he's a guy that when he's 19 in the WHL can make a real impact for Canada at the world juniors. He's not going to be there as an underager, but we could see it happen pretty soon. Um, and the last thing before we break that I did want to say junior hockey starting AJHL starting BCHL starting, um, in BC, there's now three new leagues that are all, all have junior A status and they need the support PGHL, VIJHL, KIJHL. So whether you're in the lower mainland, Vancouver Island, or in the interior listening to this, no matter where you are, listen, local junior hockey happens because of community support. If you're listening from my hometown of Maple Ridge, Friday nights, 7 o'clock, Cam Neely Arena, go watch Ridge Meadows Flames games. Support these local junior hockey teams. 
seriously, everybody like this is it's, it's always great hockey. It's always a great atmosphere. It's, 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 it's a great time. And if you're somebody who wants to kind of, you know, get into even working in hockey, junior hockey is the way to go, right? That's your start. Get involved with the team, get involved with covering the team. Like I can't stress that enough. And especially again, I've said it a million times in this podcast, that Ridge Meadows Flames team in Maple Ridge in the PGHL junior A status this year, you know what? Being a junior A team hasn't changed the way that team's operated. Everybody in that team is people first. They treat everybody like family and they're, you know, that's not industry standard and they do it right. So support local junior hockey. If you're in Maple Ridge, support the Flames. They deserve it. Love to hear it. I grew up in a small town with junior hockey being very prevalent. And uh, I mean, when you're, when you're a, a child, these, these junior hockey players are like heroes. They're like superheroes to you. And then uh, you get to high school and, and uh, you're you're growing up alongside some of them, and uh, and it's pretty cool to to hear their stories and see them go in and grind every day. And um, yeah, I wholeheartedly say support junior hockey, especially because some of these some of these teams are fairly community involved, and they do a lot of great things for people in the community outside of hockey. And um, you know, if you show your support, they will show theirs, regardless of whether you do. But just uh, Keep that in mind. That's uh, it's a big thing. I'm I'm glad you brought that up, Aiden, and that's uh, that's something we're gonna keep on preaching for the duration of this podcast existence. So James and I are gonna break, and then we'll come back. We'll answer uh, quite a bit of submitted questions this time. We'll get back to trivia, at least uh, maybe just one question each or something like that. Then we'll throw it a movie, and that'll be it. So don't go anywhere. back after a quick break in listeners terms and a few hours in me and james's life um yeah did you nap too because i napped i didn't nap no i went to caitlin was at the coldplay concert in vancouver so i went to get her in calgary alberta in the calgary international airport which it would be so much nicer if red deer had an airport that just even flew to vancouver but you know you know there is a, a silver lining there. At least you're not in some like Northwest Territories level place where you've got to fly who no- or drive who knows how long to get to an airport. There no. is a silver lining. Yeah, like my my attitude in a lot of things in life is like, you know what? It could be so, so much worse. <laughs> I feel like that's the thing that gets me through most most bad days is like, oh, you know, it could be a lot worse than it actually is right now. Let's take a deep breath here. Okay. So you want to go, we're going to return with trivia. We got a lot of, we got a lot of good questions and I want to specifically shout one out. Okay. I had a question submitted. Um, I was, it was last Tuesday recording this on Sunday, September 24th. If you're listening to this, the, the day it was released, it'll get released on Monday, the 25th. So last Tuesday, the Drumheller Dragons were in town to play the Bulldogs. So I'm in my game day. I'm in my broadcast booth and I have a buddy call me and he's like, Aiden, I'm like, what's up? He goes, I'm listening to your podcast uh, in the car right now. I'm on my way home. Uh, I'm I'm commuting home from work. And he's like, <laughs> I-, I have a question, but I didn't want to like type it out while I was driving and I didn't want to forget it. So do you have a pen and a paper? So my buddy calls me to submit a podcast question because he doesn't want to forget it while he's driving. You know who you are. That's, wild. That's awesome. I loved it. And then we talked for a while after too. So that brightened my game day that day. <laughs> it was awesome. 
Um, you so know, if we go down to like five listeners at any point, we know they're a dedicated five listeners, so it doesn't matter. Well, and that guy's gonna be one of them for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um do you want to start we're just so our trivia today is just going to be a question each so do you want to start with that and then we'll get into the submit submissions yeah um i haven't said this in a lot of episodes maybe like eight episodes in a row it isn't the great canadian hockey podcast without a couple great games to play and we are back i just came up with a random question on the spot for aiden um he said right before we hit record do you have a question ready and i said no i need a sec ah, i got it Maybe like five seconds later. It's not even a great one. It's not super creative. Name me five Montreal Canadiens coaches. Oh, man. Five Montreal Canadiens head coaches ever. Oh, okay. Uh, well, easy Scotty Bowman off the top. One. Um, Claude Julien. Two. Two. Let's go Marty St. Louis. Three. There's your most recent one. Like I have the guy's face. Why can't I? Guy Boucher was a Canadiens coach, wasn't he? um let me fact check that oh that's not who i was meant that's not who i meant to say at all but he might have been let's see is guy boucher because that's not that is absolutely not what i uh what i meant to say aloud there nope that is not it okay i meant to say elaine vino i got my french coaches mixed up in my head <laughs> when was he i can't remember vino I, well it was early wasn't it from 1997 to 2000 okay Huh. So he got some Saku Koivu time. Okay. So what? That was like four for five. I just need one more to at least yeah. get the five. Well, yeah. Michel Thierryen is the guy that I had there his in my head. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then didn't Dominic Ducharme take him to the final? Yeah. Yeah. That's who I thought you were going to say. I thought that was going to be a quick one. Yeah. Again, it's just, I can see all these faces, just the names get jumbled. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sweet. What do you got for me? Okay, well, kind of another random one. Name as many of the last 10 World Junior MVPs as you can. Alexis Lafreniere. Connor Bedard. Did Troy Terry get one? No. No. No, I, I'm not going to use it. Who was the one that year? Uh, Thomas Shabbat was the one in 2017, if that's – because that was the Troy Terry, like, shootout god era here. Yeah. Yeah. So Thomas Shabbat was the world junior MVP that year. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm so stuck here. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. Wow. I'm really weak right now. I got nothing. Okay. So backwards, the last 10, Connor Bedard, 2023, Mason McTavish was in the weird summer. That's world. the one that was messing me up. I couldn't remember if it was McTavish or not. I thought it was, but I was getting stuck. Um, The bubble COVID one was Trevor Zegris. Mm-hmm. And then the one before was Lafreniere. You got that one. Ryan Paling, very random winner in 20. I remember that. Yeah. He had a good tournament. Finland beat the States in the final. He had a good tournament. He had a bad medal round. I didn't think he should have won it. Like he was, mm. he was a stud in the group stage. He was crazy. I think he had a four goal game. Um, 2018, another one in not even a semi or sorry, not even a gold medal losing finalist. Bronze medal winning Casey Middlestat won the 2018 MVP. That's wild. Um, and then, yeah, Shabbat again in a losing effort. So 2017, 2018, and 2019, the World Junior MVPs all didn't win the tournament, funny enough. Shabbat won a silver medal in 2017 and won MVP. Uh, Jesse Pugliarvi was 2016 for Finland. Nice. Uh, on that just crazy team. 2015, this is my favorite one. Dennis Godla, Slovakian goalie, carried them to a bronze medal. 
See, I knew it was someone weird in 2015, and I couldn't remember if it was him or not. But yeah, the amount of them in my head that I was just completely uncertain about, and I just didn't want to spit out the wrong one. And then in 2014, Finland won the tournament. Taivo Turavainen was the leading scorer, but Philip Forsberg for Sweden ended up winning MVP. Man, Finland has had some good teams. I love those Finnish teams. Like, I know they've beaten yeah. Canada a few times, but, like, I still I still always feel good about them winning. You know, it's like watching Sweden win. Like, you can never complain about that. Okay, so we got a good little chunk of questions here to answer. Um, I really do like the... the uh, the Spotify one. So we'll start with a Spotify two, and then there were an Instagram one and a couple more. So we'll start with a Spotify one. This one has actually been on our prep sheet for a while, but Wait, I want can we do the other one first because the other one's quick and easy. Okay, let's do it. If you could go back in time and be at any single NHL game, what game could you go to? Um, Paul Korea off the floor on the board. Game game six, two thousand one. No, two thousand three. Sorry. Yeah. That's a great answer. That's a phenomenal answer. Man. Um, a a second would be that uh what was it? Uh 10 to 7 final score Philly Pittsburgh. Oh yeah, the crazy one. Yeah. Yeah, with that just ridiculously high scoring series. I yeah. would love to be there just for the pure chaos. That one jumps to mind immediately. I really enjoyed watching that series as a neutral, I'll tell you that. Yeah. I was young. Yeah. Was that so NHL game? I'll go Vancouver, Chicago, round one, game seven, 2011. Um, but I have to say, if it's hockey in general, it'll have to be a 2010 Vancouver Winter Olympic game. And the easy, yeah. the easy one's the gold medal game against the States. But to watch them blow out Russia like that, I, I, I might that that's up there too. See, I don't want to watch a blowout. I want to watch a close game. Oh, no, and I, I would have that attitude any day of the week as well, but it's just the, like, the context of, like, that quarterfinal, man, and, and again, no, this is just, it's been 13 years, so I'm not surprised it's not front of mind, but Canada lost to a States team that they really yeah. were better than. That American team was good, but they weren't, they shouldn't have been on Canada's level that year. And they yeah, I mean, Zach Parisi, Patrick Kane, Phil Kessel, Ryan Kessler. It was kind of thin past that. Like, Jamie Langenbrunner had a massive role on that team. But yeah, he like, actually had a crazy season, didn't he? Ryan Malone, right, was on that team, right? Like, like it, he was sick. Yeah, like, it, it the 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 depth, right? It was the depth that was that just wasn't there in the yeah. States. Um, was, wasn't, like, a 40-million-year-old Chris Chelios on that roster? Uh, no, he didn't make that team. Ryan Whitney might be the guy you're thinking about there. No, no, no. Uh, so Chris Chelios was there then. That's what it was. He was just at the event. Yeah, he wasn't playing. Um, But I was going to say, they beat Canada super. Like, it was a big disappointment, right? And then Canada beats Germany in their qualification game that they wouldn't have had to play if they won the group. And then they're in the quarterfinals against Russia, and they get stuck with Russia in the quarterfinals because they didn't win their group. And Russia shut them out in the quarterfinals in 2006, right? It's just, it's all that context behind that game. And to they were up 6-1, like, I think before the five-minute mark of the second period, I want to say. Um, and they had scored seven before the game was even halfway over. Like, to me, it's just the exhale that that must have been, right? 
with this team that everybody was down on and there was disappointment and whatever. Yeah. It's a, I mean, all factors considered, I understand the situation with Russia and Ukraine right now. And I understand the uh, Olympic relationship with the NHL. It's a damn shame. We never got to see Ovi uh, represent for the Olympics ever again, because that guy was damn passionate about the Olympics. Oh, he loved to play for Russia. Yeah. Which yeah. is, yeah, no, you're right. I, I agree with you. And I didn't mean, it speaks to a, a a bigger theme of just the lack of best on best, right? And it's yeah, just totally, totally. Um, okay, so the other Spotify one, uh, create your dream player, make the best player of each, or make the best player of every relevant trait you can think of. The submitter listed some, but the ones we're gonna go with is skating, wrist shot, slap shot, backhand, hands, passing, defense. So I'm gonna try and keep this quick, James. So it's the best player for each of those traits in hockey. Give me the name and give me one sentence and then we'll run through it. Let's go by, by category skating. And can I do yours first? Because yours is obviously going to be more modernized. And then I'm going to do like an early two thousands one just to, just to be edgy and weird. Okay. Yeah. The caveat was we had to watch these guys play. So I can imagine yeah. why. So my skating's Connor McDavid, just this, the unprecedented speed, his ability to go zero to a hundred in seconds is crazy. Uh, wrist shot. I'm going to go Connor Bedard bright and early, but he slings the puck like nobody I've ever seen before. Um, slap shot, Alexander Ovechkin made a living of it on that power play. It's not just the power, but it's the accuracy. It's the ability to get it out of his feet. It's the ability to take it and score from every spot. Backhand shot is Sidney Crosby. Crazy. Absolutely insane. How much power and accuracy he could get on a backhand. Um, hands, stick handling, Pavel Datsuk. Loved it. Love to watch that guy play. He was perennially underrated, which he, yeah, he was, he was a superb player through and through passing bias. Henrik Sedin could always find your guy anywhere in the offensive zone, ton of assists and defense. This is just one of my favorite defensive players in the, in, that I've seen play in my lifetime. I was a huge Shea Weber fan. So I'll go mm-hmm. Shea Weber for defense. What about you? Okay. Um. Yeah. So in terms of, skating and i'm talking watching them skate too i don't know how much time you got to watch mike medano skate but dude wow it's like yes it might it probably wasn't as fast as mcdavid but just the the stride was so like magical like it was like it was like something out of a movie like if you were able to sensationalize it in like a movie or novel form that's what skating was for mike medano um then i'm gonna go puck skills as a whole alex kovalev the guy was an absolute freak in just being ridiculously talented um there were there were times that he would get called out for his compete level in like a newspaper or article or something and then it would be like "Uh uh-oh you woke up kovalev and then he would just put up like two and two and then like chill out again it was just ridiculous the guy was just obscenely talented um defense i'm gonna go i'm gonna break it down into two things um a defensive stick i'm gonna go nicholas lidstrom and then um like tactically defensively i'm going to go scott Indermeyer. and um physicality i am picking just as a whole um i am going to go with peter forsberg I'm going to use that because whether you consider that's that's keeping people off of you 
and hand, and um, managing to get around three players and while holding them off with your body and using your stick to keep edging the puck along. Um, whether you're talking about just burying people, whether you're talking about just a presence that um, like on the face off dot, like you just you you're, you have a hard time against him just because the guy is just a mountain of a man when he's on his two feet and when he has his knees bent. It's just like like his his like lower his lower body strength is like what we make of Sidney Crosby's lower body strength nowadays. You know, like it's that kind of thing. Um, passing, I am going to go with, I had quite a few in mind, um, but I kind of felt like going a little bit, a little bit off the beaten path here. Um, this is a really odd one. Um, I remember Andy McDonald having a ridiculously accurate pass. And him and Pavel Demetra absolutely tore it up for a couple of years. Like they were just filthy. And Andy McDonald, I consider one of the more underrated passers I've ever seen. That's a deep cut. That's one that uh, Aiden just dropped his jaw and had no expectation for. No, I didn't expect that. Well, both Niedermeyer and Lidstrom were on my radar, but I just didn't feel like I watched enough of them. Um, really. But I love Niedermeyer. He's one of my first like favorite players. And you know what, man? And this is, completely unrelated to almost everything you said, except for the fact that you dropped his name. I think my first favorite player ever was Pavel Dimitra when he was on the Canucks. Totally. Like if, I could, if I could get, and I've looked for it, it's not easy to find. And by not easy, I mean, I've never been able to find anybody online selling it ever. Um, if I could own any Jersey and I have a solid Jersey collection, but if I could get any Jersey, I would get a 2010 Olympic Slovakia Pavel Dimitra jersey. Oh, that's a hard one to find. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever find it, but that is that you is could probably get it made, but like authentic, like at from that time. Uh. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's top of any list, I think, for me. Um, I love um, it. And then in in terms of pure passion, just warrior mentality, wanting to um win above all else. I am going with Henrik Zetterberg. Yeah, that's a good answer. The reason that I didn't throw that on my list to begin with was to me, like at different points in a season, you can make that case for so many hockey players. Like Matthew, you could, Kuch- you could. Matthew Kachuk just played the Stanley Cup final with a broken sternum. He couldn't even dress himself. Right. Yeah. It It's so you can make that argue for, for so many players. You can make that argument for Tim Brent. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like it's just, yeah. Um, you can make that art. I, you know what? I'm going to go not star. I'm going to go. Um, um, I'm going to go um, Ian LaPerriere. That's a good answer. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and then are there any I've missed any qualities that that uh, we felt relevant? Uh, leadership. Um, you didn't get leadership. Rich- I'm going to go Steve Eiserman. You, you could go him. You could go Sackick. You could go all kinds of guys. Uh, those are the two that always jump to mind. And I'm just putting my Colorado bias aside and the Sackick jersey hanging behind Aiden aside um, to just say Steve Eiserman just because I, I'm I'm trying to be different here. Um, yeah. Uh, and then uh, goaltending one game. Um, I mean, is that part of this? No, but I'll give you an answer after you're done. Um, one game. I want 1993 Patrick Waugh. I was going to say 1998 Olympic Dominic Hasek. Not that I watched it. I yeah, just yeah, yeah. I like yeah, I I can honestly say I like I was watching hockey for 
uh, I mean, a handful of years that Dominic Hasek was playing, but I can very, very clearly remember like watching Patrick Waugh play in a handful of games. So yeah. that one I can I can still see. Hasek, I must have just not paid attention to those games. It would have probably been like my uncle just wasn't watching them or something. Okay. All right, sweet. So the next one, this is another pretty quick fire one. Who are your way too early conference finalists? Again, let's go, let's go one sentence on each of these as well. Cause we'll get this this will be a rabbit hole one if we really start doing uh it. Colorado. I'm biased and I love the forward editions. We'll see if chemistry works out, but I'm I'm loving it so far. I like what's happening. Um Edmonton, it's uh they're they're looking solid. They're going to uh one of those goalies is gonna figure it out. Uh I have a sneaking suspicion it may be Jack Campbell. Um, because he's so on and off. I feel like we're about to hit the on time. Um, and uh and they're more than likely going to add another defenseman somehow. Somehow. I don't know how, but they probably will. Um, and then Carolina. There's just too much stuff there for for it not to happen. Um, and you know, they could end up being the San Jose Sharks and never breaking through all the way, or they could it could be the time that they break through now. Uh and then Tampa, one last ride, Steven Stamkos. How how hilarious would it be if they win another cup, Stamkos gets the MVP, and then they don't resign him? Man, if anything was going to force Breezebois' hand, it would be that. Yeah. Um, so I will start in the West as well, and Edmonton is one of mine. And yeah, um, honestly, dude, I would have given Jack Campbell way more of a shot in last year's playoffs. He was better, you know, in the time he played, I thought he was better than Skinner, and he didn't play much. Okay. But I, I, I thought they should have given him more. Shouldn't Skinner give, had that one sick game. Yeah, should have given him more of a chance. Um, yeah, like you said, I like the Oilers. It's uh, they keep getting close. I think if they don't run into Vegas, I think if something happens in that series, if they get through Vegas, I, I think they would have won the cup. I think that I think the cup winner came out of that series for a reason. And I think even if that series had gone the other way, the cup winner would have come out of that series. It would have been the Oilers. Um, I have them playing the Dallas Stars. I have a tight Dallas beating Colorado in the second round. Dallas is the only only threat I feel in yeah. the in the West right now. I like their subtle forward additions like Matt Duchesne. That defense, I think Miro Heiskanen took a big step next year. I think there's more to come. I think we see a Norris caliber Miro Heiskanen without a doubt this year. Sorry, I should have said uh, Central, not West. Yeah. Um, Eastern Conference. I also have the Carolina Hurricanes coming over to the the Metro. I think that'll be a very good series in the second round with either the Devils or the Rangers, but I see them breaking through again. However, any one of those three teams, I could easily see slam dunk. I just don't think it's going to be Pittsburgh. I hate to kill that dream of everybody's that seems to be the 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 last dance NHL version. I just don't see it I happening. knew you were going to comment on that somehow. <laughs> and in the East, you know what? You said you, you addressed your bias saying that you were going to pick Colorado. I'm going to address me putting my bias aside here and say that I think this is the Toronto Maple Leafs' year to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. Hey. I love Max Domi so much. I'm a yep. huge Max Domi fan. I think the addition of Tyler Bertuzzi is awesome. Matthew mm-hmm. Nye is getting thrown into that forward core. Is he going to be a superstar like a superstar like everybody in Toronto thinks he's going to be right away? Absolutely not. But he's still going to help as a top nine forward. He totally is. Yeah. I think they improved, right? I think now that they know Jake Muzzin is on LTIR all year, which is a bummer, but they can address that early. They don't need to be you know, too worried about that. Um, and uh, the only thing to me that needs to get short up is goaltending, but I don't think they go into the playoffs without that ready. Either somebody emerges as a number one or so they get somebody else. One of those two things is going to happen before the trade deadline. So it's Toronto, Dallas, Edmonton. 
cool i like that um quick question on toronto what do you think of uh um what do you think of them improving versatility in toronto and preparing for any situation by culturing william nylander in the ways of playing center i don't think it's gonna last honestly like i I think it's i think it's just to prep for any kind of injury that might come up yeah i think you know like i think i think he can i just think his best position is on the right wing i do um and he's a menace on right wing yeah i think uh, to me it's just so cool to think that Bertuzzi, Matthews, Marner could be followed up by Domi, uh, Tavares, Nylander. That's a sweet top six. And then you get into Kerfoot with Nyes and like whoever on that third line. Like that's, that's really good. That's really, really good, Toronto. Like that's, that's superb. Um, or you break it up, put Domi on the third line, uh, try to invigorate them. You know, like it's, uh, I think Domi and Nyes, those, their playing styles could be awesome together. For sure. No, no doubt. Um, it just still, and again, I know we talked about it. It makes me sad that we're not talking about Rodi and Amirov potentially getting into this. Oh, yeah. Right. It just it has to yeah. be hurts the heart when we're talking about this Leafs team, not to be talking about him. Um, so I have another friend who every time he hears something like weird in hockey, he asks me if I've ever experienced it as if like I'm a seasoned NHL journalism veteran and not 20 years old. <laughs> <laughs> but what's really funny is he happened to ask me, the other day, because I think he heard on 32 thoughts that there was a trade in the KHL because somebody asked about trade conditions. There was a trade in the KHL that sent former, I believe, first round pick, if not pretty highly touted Boston Bruins prospect Alexander Koklachev um, from one team to another. And the condition on the trade was that he couldn't play against his old team. Um, And it's been long enough now that I think I can tell this story for sure. Because somebody asked me, have you ever seen that? Right. And they do that a lot. And usually my answer is like, no, of course I haven't seen that. Um, but this time I did have an answer for it. I told him I'd answer it on the podcast for him. Um, so my last year in Ridge Meadows, uh, the general manager who I've talked about a lot, uh, his name's Derek Bedard. He's one of the best human beings in hockey by far, bar none. Um, no relation to Connor, right? Uh, they're cousins. Yeah. Um, cool. He's yeah, he's a phenomenal person. He runs that team the way every team should be run everybody's people first and assets second, right? That's not the industry standard, but it should be. Um, He's, yeah, heart of gold. So he had a good group of 20-year-olds, which would have been the 2001 borns because it was now two years ago. And he was really gearing up and he was working hard on some trades. And he had a player come in from another team in the PGHL. And this guy's really good player. He put up great numbers for Ridge Meadows and he's randomly sitting out one game. And I kind of, I kind of like, he was walking by. I'm kind of like, Derek, where's, where's he, where is he today? Did he get hurt? And he kind of chuckles. He's like, uh, I'll come back later. <laughs> and so in the second intermission, when nobody else is around, he's like, um, he's like, yeah. So part of the trade was he, <laughs> they told me I wasn't allowed to play him against them in the regular season. <laughs> so he was like spending months making this trade work. And the final pillar to get it through was that the player they were getting from this team wasn't allowed to play against them in the regular season. Um, Cause my first question was what about a playoff series is like that. I made sure was okay. He can play against them if we play them in the playoffs, but um, so yeah. in like the, whatever, and how many times would they be playing? How many I times would they be playing each other during the season? I think it was three more times. I think it was twice on home ice okay. because the first time was pretty quickly after the trade and he had looked really good. I was like, there's no way this guy just got healthy scratched. Like what? Um, <laughs> and I, I kind of thought he was Do joking. Kid knew? He for sure did. Yeah. 
hundred percent. Because I think I think later in the season I was joking with it with him about it at one point. Um, yeah. So just it's funny that that came up in a in thirty two thoughts. Because yeah, uh, if Derek's listening to this, I hope I didn't like cross the line by saying that. I tried to not give too many details. I've actually got an interesting one. I recalled an article that came from. Uh, I recalled an article that I read years ago. It came up. Uh, I don't know if you use Google Chrome, but when you first open it, it just shows you suggested articles. And uh, I had to look it up. It took me a few a few times because um, I had to sift through other similar articles because this is a story that's happened quite a few times. But um, this is a story written by Scott Radley for the Hamilton Spectator. And the article title is The Day an OHL Team Traded for a Five-Year-Old. So... Basically, the uh, the Windsor Spitfires made a trade with the Kingston Frontenacs in 2018, in which they acquired uh, two draft picks in 2020, um, a 16 year old center, a a single draft pick in each year of 2022, 2023, 2024, 2025, 2027, and 2028. So they traded for draft picks 10 years down the road. They traded for a five-year-old. And then so uh, um, one of the uh, one of the, the, the lead line of the article is just great. It says, there's a child somewhere in Ontario currently enjoying his Christmas break from grinding the rigors of kindergarten. Maybe he plays hockey. Maybe he hasn't started yet. He is only five after all. Yet on New Year's Day, he was acquired by the Windsor Spitfires. Um, that's not uncommon. Like it's not yeah. maybe ten years is a bit of a stretch. But if you look at like CHL trades, sometimes it's really funny because there's there's often randomly like like it's it's all these draft picks like oh first round this first rounder three first rounders two second rounders and then after what looks like a pretty complete package, it's just like one eighth round draft pick six years from now. It's like, so was yeah. that like, do you think that was like the be all end all? Like the GM was like, if that eighth rounder is not in there, we are, <laughs> oh, I'm done. Like, <laughs> that's, that's what I want to know. Um, anyways. Yeah. That, that, if you, if you, if anybody wants to pay attention to this year's trade deadline in the O or the WHL, you'll see, you'll see some pretty ridiculous trade packages with some, crazy draft picks in them um so this was the question that i was told over the phone this last one this is the one my buddy called me about if you could change a player in any hockey game to change the outcome who would you swap out and i think the spirit of this question and his part was like oh um this goalie had a bad game in this big game put in a different goalie and then it would have changed the outcome right or he was like oh if for instance and again he didn't say this specifically but Oh, um, a different player for the States on the wall during Crosby's golden goal might've changed that moment. Right. Um, I have one. I was thinking about it and I do have one. Do you have one? Cause if not, I'll, I'll go on mine. I have a goalie one, but I'd like to come up with a regular one. Can I give you my goalie one? And then you do yours. Sure. And then yeah, I'll give you a regular one. Yeah. Go. This coming up with things on the fly thing is uh, just ridiculous for me, but I, I just, I, I, I got to keep doing it. James, so, this, um, this, this was on our prep sheet. You have access to this for a while. This yes, is- yes, I do. I do. And this is becoming a theme for me. And don't act like don't act like I'm gatekeeping this information from you. <laughs> okay. All right. And um I was actually looking at this prep sheet earlier and I didn't even think of it. So let's uh yeah, so moving ahead here. Um I've got the 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs, second round. 
uh, Colorado versus Dallas game seven. Anyone except Michael Hutchinson in net Colorado had their fourth string goalie in the cage. That was nightmare fuel. He looked like he had been um, Louis Domingue's spicy pork and broccoli. Not the best for like a year. Like it was it. I all no disrespect to Michael Hutchinson. I actually remember him playing a few sick games early on in his career with the Jets. But man, if we just had a starting caliber goalie in that moment. Who knows? Maybe it wouldn't have changed anything, but maybe then Yoel Kiviranta wouldn't have scored a billion goals on Colorado that that game. Anything could have helped. That was just it was it was a heartbreaker. That sucked. But yeah, I'll let you go and then I'll come up with something else. Okay, this was the one that came to my mind. 2017 World Junior Gold Medal game, Canada versus the United States. An amazing game. Back and forth. The States, Canada takes an early 2-0 lead. Shabbat and Lausan. Then I think it went McAvoy, Bellos, I want to say. And then Canada scored two early third-period goals. Nicola Wah, Matthew Joseph. And then the States scored two. I know Bellos scored one more. Colin White had the other one. So it's 4-4. Canada has a power play with seven minutes left. Puck gets worked to Matt Barzell, right-hand shot on the left side. He pulls it back one-on-one with Tyler Parsons, and he slides the puck across the crease to Pierre-Luc Dubois, who is sitting there wide open with an empty net. And Pierre-Luc Dubois goes to take the puck, and it just rolls under the heel of his stick. He's standing there with an empty net with seven minutes to go in the gold medal game, and he just misses the pass. And as history would have it, Canada went on to lose that game in a shootout. So I would have literally anybody else on that roster. If I had to pick one, I'll pick Dylan Strome because he was probably the most potent scorer on that team. But in essence, anybody else on that roster in that position to put the puck into the empty net and give Canada a 5-4 lead on that power play, that would be my answer. Okay, that's uh, that's pretty good and pretty thorough too. So are you familiar with the Rockstar Zone? The Rockstar Zone is uh, the area about, so you're there's the goal line, and then about six to ten feet out on either side, cranking a one-timer on your offhand from right there. That's what Danny Heatley was famous for, the Rockstar Zone. Um, I'm going to go 2009 Stanley Cup Finals. No one can score on Marc-Andre Fleury in the dying seconds. Sub out Johan Franzen for Danny Heatley to rip one from the Rockstar Zone on Marc-Andre Fleury. Top corner. Game goes to overtime. History will be made. Hold on a sec. I'm completely confused as to like what moment you're talking about, though. Is like, Johan Franzen not on the ice when, when Fleury makes those last couple saves? Oh, but Lindstrom it, takes the last shot, but then if he were to pass it across to Danny Heatley on the right at the Rockstar <laughs> zone, bang! Okay. Well, I thought you were like referring to the Lidstrom shot that was stopped because no, no, Lindstrom Lindstrom takes the also, shot. yeah franzen was also a left-hand shot so i thought you were referring to like changing who was sitting there yeah yeah franzen was probably in front of the net but then yeah. if you you don't even need him in front of that when you have danny healy in the rock star there okay sure yeah i like it <laughs> you um, gave me you I, I came up with something on the fly it was gonna be good <laughs> okay couple minutes left here before we'll wrap quickly movie you watched in the last week go 
Okay, movie I watched in, within the last week. Um, okay, uh, it's slapstick ridiculousness. I randomly remember this movie while while, while driving down the road. Um, back when I was uh, maybe 12, 13 years old, early days of Netflix, they uh, they would have all of these random like low budget like college teen like comedies kind of things, and they had one called Miss March. Miss March was uh, this guy and his girlfriend are in high school and they have an abstinence pledge ongoing. And then they are finally supposed to seal the deal on prom night. And then he falls down some stairs and ends up in a coma for four years. And when he wakes up, she is Miss March on the front cover of Playboy magazine. And they go on a cross-country road trip evading psychotic firefighters so that he can uh, finally meet his his uh um now playboy cover uh, uh girlfriend from four years ago um but uh but they took an absence pledge so he's worried that she isn't who she was before and uh yeah yeah and the whole time firefighters are trying to kill them it's absurd man yeah um you know that movie has five percent on rotten tomatoes i would have given it a solid like 21 so Oh my god, that's insane. All right, so about as sharp a turn away from that as you can get. Um, mine, and it's not one I recently saw, but it's one I recently rewatched because I think I noticed it was on Amazon Prime, so I rewatched it. Um, Get Out, Jordan Peele's first movie. Um, it is one of my favorite movies of all time. I love it so much, every part of it. Uh, if you don't know what it is, uh, watch it as soon as you can, first of all, but um, about a young black man who meets his white girlfriend's parents in uh the suburbs for the first time that's as much as you're getting from me and um uh, absurdity ensues <laughs> well we are running low on time i've seen it i saw that movie in theaters but without further ado let's roll that outro thank you all for listening we'll see you on the next one <laughs>